Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to WrestleWolf. This is Reconsidering WCW Nitro. I am Dr. Damian Gibson, and joining me as always is the enigma, the mystery, the man who only deals in kayfabe. It's kayfabe, Matt. You really struggled with my introduction then. You, you struggled with the <laughs> yeah. what, what Kevin uh, Nash would refer to in uh, about a year from where we're at as adjectives. Uh, <laughs> Well, because uh, yeah, because it was it's the it's it's new it's new. We have new we have new nicknames. I've been listening back to our podcast, and we've essentially nicknamed each other without really meaning to. And so now we sound like a <laughs> awful LA rock station breakfast crew, Doctor Damien and Kayfabe Matt in the morning. <laughs> but if you listen I'm, to the episodes enough, you'll know that they're in jokes, and you know. Where this is the the Russell Wolf Zoo. This this episode of Nitro is uh, so, like I mean I know I say this every week, but so much happens, and I the the first little segment that I've got here in my notes, I had to stop the record like i had to stop the network to write notes and i was literally only one minute and 28 seconds into the episode and I, i've written about a paragraph's worth of notes <laughs> oh fantastic <laughs> i only just finished watching this so we haven't even done like we haven't like pre-caucused on this we are just going straight into it uh and i'm really excited i i i was not expecting this to be the episode that you've connected to despite the fact that it is fantastic well, yeah, I mean, I think it's been, you know, I, <clears throat> I've enjoyed every episode that we've watched, but I thought last week was like, uh, it was pretty disappointing. And <clears throat> I, I'm not sure whether uh, this is a reaction to that, because there's so much going on. And anyway, let's get into it and we can talk about it as we go through. So uh, we're in commentary corner and uh, Pepe is dressed like a clown, uh, but that kind of like legitimately like that sort of... Um, Turn of the century, scary French clown outfit is the only way that I can describe it. It's the it's the sad clown, like silent film clown. Yeah, 
that's probably a better way of describing it. A um, little bit like the clown from it. It it's got a it. it I mean, it's worse because it's <laughs> Pepe, whom we hate. Uh, whoa, settle, hey, settle down there, cowboy. Oh, sorry. Whom I hate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bobby's lost the denim shirt and given it to Mongo this week. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, Mongo's just in there. And a... the other thing I was, I wanted to I actually didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember last week we said this was going to be a new, <laughs> new segment. I, I paid attention. Um, so Mongo's just in like a denim shirt, uh, but like a round collar. Uh, Bobby's wearing like a. He actually looks a bit like um, ABC and BBC commentary, cricket commentary legend, Richie Benno. <laughs> he's got like a white jacket and uh, <laughs> he just reminded me of Richie. But ultimately, the person that took my attention the most, which doesn't happen much with Eric at the moment, is Eric Bischoff. Only because he's dressed... He he is a, like, an encapsulation of what 1995 looked like. Like if you wanted... What did what did men's fashion look like in 1995? It's what Eric Bischoff is wearing in this in this segment, well, throughout the whole episode. He's got like a cream ribbed turtleneck with an oversized leather jacket over the top. Uh, if you're picturing Ross from Friends, you'd be correct. He does actually. That's disturbingly spot on. <laughs> it's a hundred percent. I just when I was looking at, it, I was like. That's so. That's so nineteen ninety five. Like it's 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 a time capsule. Like all three of them, really. I mean, but Eric in particular is like Jesus Christ. Mm. Then so that's that's just the first fifteen seconds. Eric then tells us that you can choose uh, who's in the main <laughs> event, and you can choose between uh, from the uh, sorry, you can choose from the blue locker room, uh, and you can choose from Sting. Johnny B. Bad, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Dave Sullivan, Alex Wright, The Nasty Boys, or JL. Ooh, decisions, decisions. Uh, and you can also pick from the uh, red locker room or the heel locker room, uh, which your pick of the litter here is Ric Flair, Meng, Diamond Dallas Page, uh, The Blue Bloods, Big Bubba, Shark, or Scott Norton. Now, we all know that I would pick Johnny B. Bad versus Shark, but I'm interested to know who you would pick, Matt, out of these two groups. Uh, I would pick uh, Dave Sullivan uh, versus Big Bubba. Or Big Boss Man. Big, hey. Big Bubba versus Jerry Sags. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> I, I would love to see the actual results of this uh, clear. Like, this is the most fabricated. Like, why even bother with this premise? Like if you're gonna like yeah. you can fake it anyway, but like I would love to see the results of just there's just like you know a series of lone votes for one of the nasty boys. So. <laughs> well, uh, I I would suggest that if you were if you were calling the um, the one three hundred one three one WCW hotline uh, <laughs> at ninety nine cents a minute in nineteen ninety five which is like $1,000 now in today's money, um, <laughs> that maybe, if, and you're listening to the States, you might want to get like a class action happening uh, because you all got ripped off. And now the person who's responsible for that class action would be Vince McMahon. So, you know, two birds, one stone. 
Sounds good to me. But remember, Matt, before you call in to get that match that you want, get your parents' permission. I would suspect that no one, I hope that no one's parents gave them permission to do this. Well, you know, you would have to have some sort of uh, inspector gadget slash, you know, someone with magnificent eyesight. Pop pop culture reference for someone with good eyesight uh, because it was in the smallest amount of writing on that that, uh, slide. There were a lot of parents that like got their phone bill and were fucking pissed off. I was going to ask you, like, because I was too afraid of both my parents to ever, ever touch the phone unless I would like for the longest time you had to ask, like I had to ask my parents to use the phone. It wasn't, you wouldn't just pick it up and call someone. Mm. Did you ever make a phone call have that, a situa- oh, that I shouldn't have? No, no we would like call one of these, like even just like for wrestling or whatever, call one of these like a dollar a second phone lines. No. Sorry, I've, that's the kind of thing that uh, it shows that we haven't pre-caucused and discussed uh, what we're going to do beforehand because <laughs> it's like, ham, we've got this crazy, so, you know, no, no, not at all. Well, uh, this just shows that we're both good boys. Well, that's exactly right. Like, I just never would have considered it. And also because, like, it was obviously happening two weeks later in Australia, if at all, <laughs> I'd be like, really hope that this is going to finally be that Johnny B. Bad Shark uh, rubber match. The, the closest thing I can even think of with this was uh, about three years later, uh, I was watching MTV and there was a Blink-182 competition uh, where you could just text. All you had to do was text Blink-182 to this number and you could win a copy of Enema of the State. And um, Given Optus Vision's subscriber numbers at the time, I'm almost a thousand percent sure that I was the only person who texted in. <laughs> but like three months later, just a copy of Blink 182's Enema of the State just arrived in my postbox from MTV. That's pretty good. Like I, I didn't imagine get, you'd already no, had it by that point. No, I didn't. I didn't. Because CDs were expensive then, man. They were like thirty bucks. You could it wasn't just you know. What else were you? I was still in school then, <laughs> or just out of school. What else were you buying in in 1999? That that oh, uh, corn probably. There would have been a corn album around. 1999 was like, uh, you know, Blur didn't bring a Blur drop an album. 1999, you, you've got like the Battle of Los Angeles, Rage Against the Machine was 1999. Yeah, or, I would have had. That. Or for for fellows like me, uh, you could you could chuck in uh, 69 love songs by the Magnetic Fields. Were, were, were you at, were you at eighteen <laughs> just jamming out to the magnetic a, fields? You're such a fucking indie fanboy. It's unbelievable. Sorry, you were you yeah, were buying copies I mean, of Smash Smash Mouth's Astro Lounge, obviously. Yeah, because I was a cool guy. I liked that fun. <laughs> I was just sitting in my room listening to the fucking magnetic fields. Going, oh god, I'm so sad. I was ten. Yeah, good point. Yeah, but that, I still would expect you to be in your bedroom listening to Nick Cave and the Magnetic. Fan. I was into a uh, silver chair writing that point. dissertations about their lyrics. <laughs> oh yeah, which silver chair was that? Diorama? Nah, that was the one. Uh, the one with Freak Show on it and Year Two Thousand. Oh, the Year Two Thousand or whatever. Yeah, yeah, of course. And obviously, also the Offspring. We ne- we need to move on from albums of nineteen ninety nine. That's our next podcast. Um, the first match, uh, also those, um, though, 
the because there's like a whole bunch of <laughs> there's a whole bunch of uh, promos that involve all those guys coming up, and it, it's just unbelievable. Uh, but first, we have uh, the giant versus uh, Cobra or Cobra. I always hesitate because the Americans always say Cobra, but it's like it's you know muscle memory to say Cobra. The uh, Cobra's got a uh, Morse code theme. And I have never, ever seen this happen before, but no one reacted to his entrance. Like, people, there wasn't, like, any sound. There wasn't, like, you could see people were just sitting there in the front rows, absolutely disinterested. There was no, like, he gave his, like, uh, dog tags to um, a, a little kid and, like, the kid's family clapped, but the people next to them were, like, staring away from Cobra awkwardly. <laughs> Like I've just never seen, I've never seen it before. Like it, even in like you know when people like just boo to boo or whatever. This is the first match of a wrestling show, and they're like, eh, "You're gonna have to impress us a bit more than this." And uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, fair enough. But Cobra was Cobra's Jeff Farmer, who uh, became Fake Sting. Oh right. Well, I was gonna say. I mean, when you just have like tones as an entrance. The song theme. It's an it's an uh, aggressive. That's I would love to know what it says, um, because I reckon it's not <laughs> it's... above board. But it does. Ju- it also does just sound like a metronome. So I'm not sure they've actually bothered to. But you just wouldn't even register. You <laughs> at most you'd be like, oh, is someone? Does someone like it's 1995? So it's like, is that a pager or something? <laughs> like you wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? No one would be thinking like, oh, that's, you know, that's. <laughs> What's his name? Cobra's they're like, entrance. They're like this modern military man is using a well-known code that, like, you can just look up at, at or that's in books and stuff to to secretly send us messages. Yeah. Oh, look out! Here comes here comes Cobra with his Enigma code jumbotron. I, I have an I have an obsession with fake Sting, but I think we'll we'll wait on the Jeff Farmer talk until uh. Until well, we get I was to fake say, Sting. I mean, he looks, Sting. he looks good. I mean, I've actually written that down. I mean, he looks... He looks good until like, the bell rings. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in the ring, like when he's... Because he's staring off with the giant. It's like, oh, you know, he he looks like he could have been something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this match, you don't see whether he is good or not because he literally gets choke slammed and that's it. Um, <laughs> uh, like... Literally, what four seconds this match would have gone for? Yeah. Something like that. And, <laughs> and it's you know it's obviously uh, what we call in the business squash match, but I mean this is kind of uh, beyond beyond the pale. This is an extreme squash squash match. <laughs> we immediately go out the back. Mean Gene is surrounded by. He's in the red locker room. He's surrounded by DDP, Rick, Shark, Scott Norton, and Bubba, <clears throat> and. Uh, Rick's wearing a, a rip curl windsheeter. This is the second um, and underpants. This is a, yeah, and underpants. This is the second like oh my god. I think like for a second I was like I think I had that windsheeter. Is that is that a rip curl? I don't think it was, but a hundred percent looked like you know a rip curl windsheeter that I bugged my mum to buy <laughs> for like eighteen months. It's just a really confronting look to have a grown man in underwear and <laughs> yeah. a jumper. Like, it's just, like, it's a real, yeah. like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of... It's a dad Yeah, move. it is. It's, it's, it's like move. when you see fat wrestlers and they whip their shirt off before they're going to fight 
and you're like, that's what like people who really fight and like fight off. It's like if if I was in a fight and someone took their shirt off beforehand, I'd be like, fuck, they're scared of getting my blood on them. Like they know what they're doing. Yeah. I'm gonna die. <laughs> it's like why Keith Lee was so cool because like Keith Lee was just a- looked like he was, and now he's in a t-shirt. Yeah, and a netball skirt. He's so. not scared of getting his blood on his netball skirt. Apparently. Hmm. Well, he doesn't wash them. <laughs> Karen does that. Karen washes the skirts, so he doesn't worry about it as much. Um, I just realised Karen is a whole thing now. But anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, nothing really happens in this promo. Uh, the directive... All I've got written down here is the directive must have been, all right, boys, let's make sure that no one at home can hear what Mean Gene is saying because the boys in the background are just yelling and screaming. Hacksaw Jim Duggan keeps walking off screen and back into screen making kind of weird Keith Moon type faces Uh, to the camera. Have we discussed (laughs) Hacks or Jim Duggan before? Kind of, but I feel like you haven't really uh, vented about how much you dislike him. That's right. I do. I do hate him. That's that's really all I have to say. I think he's an absolute (laughs) piece of shit and I don't know why he's there. Um, That's that's my statement. I thought you were going to go longer than that. That's why I had a sip of coffee. I'm like, oh, this will be good. (laughs) That'll go (laughs) for ages. Um, I, yeah, <clears throat> I think I've said this on, on a couple of episodes, like, because he's just part of that rock and roll wrestling thing, um, I have a soft spot for all of them, you know, whether they whether they were good or not, or annoying or not, even as an adult, I can see that Hacksaw Jim Duggan is really He's a- aggressive, <laughs> And also annoying. makes... N- and also makes no sense. Like, what is he, like, he's a patriotic lumberjack... <laughs> Or, like, I don't, you know, what's the, like, he's got an American flag, but he's also got, like, a 4 by 2 or 2 by 4 or whatever the hell And he's also a got wood. an acquired brain injury. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's wrestling, you know? Um, well, I mean, wrestling. He was so brave to or uh, bring on, it into their character. Or on AEW. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh then we cut to uh, an ad for World War Three, which um, I need your help here, Matt. What is this match? World War Three is uh, three rings, uh, sort of right, Royal Rumble style lunacy, uh, but it doesn't work right. because there's three rings right. and it just it doesn't really make sense and it never quite yeah it it, it is good fun, I think. It, no, it sounds amazing, but just because they they say sixty men, so it's twenty people per ring, and then also there'll be one giant in each ring. <laughs> Pick that up. That's fantastic. Yeah. What What does that mean? So what there'll be? So we start the match, and there'll be what like the giant, the yeti, and <laughs> bloody. You have a lot giant. of flair when you say yeti. Wait, that's how they all say it. <laughs> They all say Yete. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's the way. It's the same way Eric says T and T. Have you noticed that they all say? No one says Yeti. It's all Yete. It's like someone came in and was like, "Hey, um, you know, uh, Yete is a real word, and if we don't say it correctly, people are going to be offended." I mean, that's. Fair enough. People people would be offended. 
Yeah, I'm not saying that they wouldn't, but I also I can't imagine Eric Bischoff and the W and Kevin Sullivan, Ric Flair sitting around going, mm, "No, we probably need to be mindful of people's feelings." <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you just got to listen to any of their podcasts, and you know that that's not something that they have. You listened to the Kevin really Sullivan podcast? I just assumed he had one, but I've no. It's called. I it's, well. Obviously, I'm I'm a fan. Um, I I've never listened to it either. Um, but uh, you know, we can talk that about that on our podcast that reviews podcasts uh, on <laughs> Tuesday nights. The wrestling podcast review <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, we get a vignette for oh god, man! I can't believe we're here so quickly. This uh, so when we cut back to Eric, Eric says. Uh, earlier in the day, we caught up with Hulk and Macho Man down at Venice Beach. I'm like, mm, okay, this is weird. And uh, the camera pan, like we open on uh, a shot of, um, for anyone who hasn't been to Venice Beach in LA, it's a very sort of like um, cosmopolitan. Um, it's like. When you think of Hulk Hogan, you it's... think of this. Like that's. Well, I, yeah, well, I certainly. Like do. legitimately, I do. <laughs> But you think cosmopolitan, cultured Hulk Hogan? Well, no. I mean, I mean, in the sense of like, it's like the art, like it's kind of like the arts district. So there's like a lot of sort of strange people and like a lot of like, um, you know, buskers and stuff like that. But then there's also like outdoor gyms. So you've got like a lot of muscle heads and stuff. It's a, it's a really interesting place. Like even now, it's an interesting place to go in LA. I, I was hoping so, for uh, for Ted Hawkins to be there at this point, you know, busking behind them. The thing about this promo that is like, <laughs> I mean, they've obviously just got, so this busker's playing, you work out that he's singing a song about Hulk Hogan and then it like pans across to Hulk and Macho Man, and there's a third guy in between them. And I don't know if he's, like, just another rando Venice Beach guy, or is he... Is he someone? I... Do you know? No. I don't, like, I, I sort of assumed that maybe it's some sort of local celebrity, but also that's... He also seems to be a, a homeless man who thinks he's Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, uh... And so ultimately, you don't really need to worry about the promo. The promo is essentially that like Hulk Hogan is now on the dark side of Hulkamania. But the dark side is still um, the demandments and the vitamins and the prayers. Yeah, so it's it's exactly the same, <laughs> except you just get to wear cool black clothes. And not have a moustache. Not have a moustache. Macho Man is still talking about how uh, Hulk Hogan got his moustache stolen. Kevin Sullivan was that not a was that not a razor? Was it like a laser hair surgery thing? That's like because it, it's it's I don't want to I don't want to question what Kevin Sullivan and his band of actual monsters have done here, but it's a bit weird that his mm-hmm. uh, that his moustache hasn't grown back. Yeah, it is, and that's why Macho Man's so upset uh, because you know they, like they've def- like they you know. The Hulk is deformed now, you know. Um, but that's essentially all they're saying, and that they they're going to pair up. They will be like a team at um, at World War Three. So essentially, like the mega powers are unexploding, and of like a team again. Is that the? That's essentially what this promo. Is. I don't know what the word for unexploding is, other than unexploding. Uh, 
They're back. Yeah. Uh, Im- imploding. Remember when you remember when uh, WWF built to one of the greatest storylines of all time and uh, paid it off and you know ra- ran that for a few years. Well, it's been reversed. Yeah, it's been beep. Just uh, truck backing up. Beep <laughs> beep. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then uh, then that's kind of it. But I I just want to point out that. Hulk Hogan and Macho Man <laughs> walked down Venice Beach with a film crew, with a TNT film crew, grabbed, I think, a homeless man and a busker, who I'm pretty sure was high, yeah. stuck them in <laughs> stuck them in a promo. I assume like they would have had to have like get them they would have had to have got them to sign a release form and stuff, but who knows if they were paid or anything. I assume they probably would have given them a couple of bucks. <laughs> But, That's a pretty big assumption. But I think the whole point, well, you know, I don't know. I feel like, you know, those guys, the guy, those guys who have that kind of money always like just give money away to show that they're a nice guy, even though they're not really a nice guy, you know? Like Frank Sinatra <laughs> would do that all the time. Like, yeah, here's $100, but then he'd slap a woman on the way out of the and room. Whereas Hulk Hogan would just say something unrepeatable. Well, yeah, we all, <laughs> we all know what he did. It's not called pulling a Hulk for nothing. You know what I mean? I'm trying to make that stick. It's like the third time I've made that joke in the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, essentially, this whole promo is sort of like laughing at these two guys. And like, it, it's... It's it's weird. I mean, it's also... It's like... It's like it's not too bad. It's not anything to be cancelled over or anything like that. But it's just like... This is really... This is really weird. Right, and like it's not good. Surely, if you can't, if you can't have them on the show, just don't get them to do anything. You know what I mean? Just don't let them get drunk on Venice Beach Boardwalk and abuse homeless people. That would be my. <laughs> um, next up, we actually have a wrestling match. This is about halfway through the show. We're like twenty minutes into the show, and we haven't really had a wrestling match yet. Boy, do we have a wrestling match now. Well, I thought you'd be excited because it's the Taskmaster with Jimmy Hart versus Renegade, um, who, for anyone who hasn't seen or doesn't know, Renegade is essentially WCW's Ultimate Warrior until they actually sign the Ultimate Warrior and then Renegade disappears, I assume. No, Renegade uh, Renegade joins with, uh, joins with the Ultimate Warrior as part of One Warrior Nation. Oh my god! Yeah, right. Oh, I had completely forgotten about that. That's God. I love all the stables that happen soon. It's so cool. But the one warrior. I just want to point out, just as a little little preview for that, one warrior nation is a stable built around the fact that there is one warrior in which he then recruits another member who is also a warrior. It's just fantastic. Um, I joined uh, one warrior nation. That was my. <laughs> That was my stable. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Renegade got the uh, he got the jump in this match. He like ran out and was like all over um, the Taskmaster. Ultimately, Jimmy Hart got the distraction in this match, which allowed uh, the Taskmaster to win. Uh, which was you know just to really play you know drive the point of Jimmy Hart being he's turned he's a bad guy. Um, but if that wasn't enough, he like jumps on Renegade and wipes his face paint off, which we all know is the ultimate insult to a wrestler. 
Also, he uh, his finisher is Finn Balor's coup de, coup de gras. Like he's Finn Balor has stolen that from Kevin Sullivan, <laughs> just like Randy Orton <laughs> stole the diamond cutter. He <clears throat> he might have man. Like when you like uh, most wrestlers that you like these days, when you hear them talk about their favorite wrestlers, a lot of the time, even for me who likes to think that he knows a lot about wrestling, a lot of the time it's like I, I don't know who that is. Like, I heard an interview with Eddie Kingston the other day where he was reeling off all these wrestlers. And I was like, I don't know him. I don't know him. Like, every fourth name, I'd be like, oh, right. Yeah, okay, cool. Like, Taz. I know Taz. <laughs> I mean, I just suspect that, um, you know, if, if only Finn Balor were as creative and over as Kevin Sullivan is. Well, if he was in the right organization, he would be. I don't think so. I think if Kevin Sullivan can get over in 1995 WCW, then uh, Kevin Sullivan's not over. Kevin Sullivan's an embarrassment. (laughs) I was talking about Finn Balor, not Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, I know. I was just trying to be a heel. Sort of failed at it. Sorry. I didn't notice this time. I should have gone hard on it. Well, you just like Kevin Sullivan, so I just thought you were like, yeah, anyway, but let's move on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we zoom back to the red locker room uh, where things are just as crazy for Tony. No, is Tony, Tony Schiavone's in the red room, right? He's in the red room. Yeah. Uh, Ric Flair cuts an intense promo about Sting. The lights go off halfway through. Um, and this is also, if you hadn't worked it out already, this is the point where you 100% know, oh, Sting and Ric Flair are going to be the people who win this, you know, democratic vote. That people mm. are getting to call in, <laughs> to call in on. Um, I th- this is going to be a little controversial, but I Rick's promos in 1995 are a bit shit. Yeah, this is this is not the uh, the Rick Flair that people talk about. No, it, it's a caricature of him. Mm. Like having watched like a, a bit of the like mid 80s. Um, like world championship wrestling show that basically NWA power is ripping off. Um, although it is the same show. You, you know what? Um, <laughs> you Look guys at you know walking I mean. back even a mild like reference that could be taken as criticism to NWA well, power. Well, I just realised straight away that like there would be people who were like, it's the same thing, it's NWA. <laughs> like, all right, okay, just, yeah, all right. <laughs> Um, anyway, you guys know what I mean. But those early, like those mid-80s Four Horsemen primers, Rick is like, Rick just talks. He talks, not, yeah, it might get a little bit animated, compared to this, where it's like, Sting! Blah, 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 and you don't really recognise any of the words that are coming out of his mouth. Uh, he goes bright purple, he does a woo, dances around a little bit. It's... Um, but I mean, it's also... The Ric Flair wearing the expensive sunglasses and watch and suit, you know, three-piece suits is not the Ric Flair in his undies and jumper. Like He looks like he's literally just been, like, woken up by kids that have been too loud and he's run outside and to, like, yell at them. (laughs) Sting, you get off my lawn or I'm going to get you. I told you guys Dad's going to try and have a nap. (laughs) A big night last night. It is. What he looks like is the dad (laughs) at someone's, like, Grade five birthday sleepover. Who's like, come on, kids, it's time to go to bed now. Well, you know, you've had your fun. It's nearly midnight. 
I I hated that sentence so much. You've had your fun. And who are you to dictate when and where I'm having my fun, buddy? <laughs> you are you are always such an iconoclast. <laughs> I was. That's why to this day I always stay up past midnight. <laughs> Take that someone else's, you know, Jason Matthews dad. <laughs> Mrs. Smith. <laughs> Guess what's next? Another ad. We have an ad for <laughs> Saturday night, uh, and it mentions that Disco Inferno is going to drop his new film clip. Are you going to watch this one? What on God's green earth is this? It is what it says it is. I don't know. I didn't watch WCW Saturday night, and I don't, in, don't intend to. Are they going to play it on Nitro? Probably. <laughs> I hope so. And if not, well, guess what? We're doing a Saturday night <laughs> podcast because we need to find out... <laughs> What the fuck this thing is? Did he have a singing career? Did he, like, have a song? Surely not. Surely this is just like it. What do you mean no? Well, what's a film clip? A film clip is to promote a song. I don't know. It's a song movie. They can't do it. It's a song movie. I mean, that's right. I mean, this is going to be, I imagine it's going to be really clear, like the sort of the Kanye West runaway style, you know, Disco Inferno sitting there on a piano. There's... There's, you know, ballerines. It's one of those, like, no, it's a 90s Smashing Pumpkins, like, epic, like, the kind of thing when you're 16, you watch and you're like, that's so deep. And then when you watch when you're a bit older, you're like, that's not actually that deep. It's just people in an ice cream truck painting it. <laughs> yeah, I actually watched that film clip yesterday. <laughs> thought the same thing. Um, like, it just came on YouTube. was like, you like Billy Corgan? I'm like, oh, I've got to stop mentioning Billy Corgan in this house. <laughs> Google, Google doesn't miss anything. It's, I was talking about wrestling. Google. <laughs> it's it's when you it's when you get to the future embrace and they're you know it's like you like Billy Corgan and Robert Smith from the Cure. How about their cover of the Bee Gees? Although I am gonna, I didn't know that existed. I am gonna check it's, that out immediately it is after recording. So repugnant. I recommend all listeners. I mean, if you're listening to a WCW 1995 Nitro podcast, go check out. Uh, Go check out Robert Smith and Billy Corgan doing uh, the an electro version of "To Love Somebody" oh. by the Bee Gees. <laughs> um, hey, guess what? Next, we actually have a wrestling match, and oh man, talk about an uplifting class! Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero. Um, we have uh, we vowed not to speak about anything about either of these guys' uh, personal lives. And uh, we don't even need to because this this match, everything that they do in this match, these two guys, is so effortless. The match just glides. It's know? so but it's good. Not, it's on rails, but not in a boring way. Like, you just... Watching it, like, there's, there's no way that either of these guys are... Ever, like, they're not going to hurt the other one. They're not going to hurt themselves. They're just perfect professional wrestlers there it, it was just amazing like i don't think i have a whole lot to say other than the fact that uh i really don't need the why is this japanese storyline playing out exclusively <laughs> during good matches like jushin thunder liger was <laughs> no. there. that was cool yeah but um yeah so look <laughs> Sorry, man. so we've had this ongoing story where bobby's been talking to japanese to japanese businessmen and uh, it, it turns out that uh, Masachono is one of the guys that he's been speaking to, and he's brought a whole posse of uh, New Japan guys: uh, Sonny Ono, Masachono, uh, Hiro Sato, 
uh, Justin, uh, Justin, I always go to call him Justin, like the biggest bogan on the face of the planet. Justin Thunderliger. Justin Liger. <laughs> Justin Liger. Um, and uh, Kensuke Sasaka. Uh, <laughs> I just put him down there because I didn't want to leave him out, but I didn't really know him. But the other four guys I know uh, because like I'm a big New Japan guy. I don't know if I've mentioned that. <laughs> before guts um because i'm just really cultured and stuff and i i get japanese wrestling you know a lot of people don't uh, i do um anyway this is like new Jap- like this is pretty cool man like, this is a pretty cool moment you've got like new japan guys just sitting in a wc like i know they had done stuff before but i don't know for me there was like a little moment like oh this is cool i wish it wasn't during this match but yeah i mean i i don't think this story's going anywhere that's what that's my concern yeah, well, I mean, the unfortunate thing is we kind of know from history that I think there was a bit of a New Japan crossover. Yeah, like there was. Liger absolutely. did a bit. Um, and then we've already seen like a few wrestlers come over and do some stuff, but um, it's not the big sort of, it's not an invasion angle or anything like that, which, which I don't know. Right now, New Japan invading, like say AEW would be amazing, but I just don't think anyone would have known who any of these guys are unless it was like a young Conrad Thompson or, yeah. you know, a very young Excalibur, <laughs> sort of <laughs> those kind of guys, you know. Um, this match ends with Eddie going for the cover. Uh, he gets a three count, but Benoit has his feet under the bottom rope um, for a break. The ref doesn't see it and... This means there's going to be a continuing storyline between Eddie and Chris and... uh, Great. Fuck, yes. (laughs) Awesome. Um, We go to the blue room again where I have written down Stong says he wants to (laughs) uh, (laughs) wrestle Rick in the main event. They don't even... They don't even bother... When they announced that it was Stong versus Ric Flair in in the main event, they don't even bother to, like, pretend... Like that, they don't announce it as a thing. They're just like, "Ah, hey, now we've got Stong versus Ric Flair," and it's just like, "Oh yeah, of course." <laughs> I oh, know yeah. <laughs> Stong. Um, yeah, it, it it's the biggest. It like, I feel sorry for because there would have been like, I can't. The thing is, there's no other wrestlers in either of these rooms. The kids are going to ring up and vote for, right? No, God, no, no. Maybe JL, maybe one kid loved JL because he had a mask lost on every match he's been in. <laughs> That's what JL stands for. <laughs> just lost. But yeah, I just feel like maybe yourself and myself might have been the kids who picked a different wrestler just to be, you know, like I want to see the Blue Bloods and then call up and cost your parents seventeen dollars to make one phone call. Yeah, I mean, look, you know? getting getting William Regal in there or Stephen Regal as he is at that point uh, is not a bad decision. No, that'd be an alright match, Ric Flair versus uh, Stephen Regal. But we we will see that eventually. Maybe not in this promotion, but it will happen. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, then we cut back to Eric, uh, Mongo, and Bobby, who announced that uh, Flair and Stong will be the main event, which is what we were just talking about. Um, they've uh, yeah, and I've just written they've ripped off many a child in the process. <laughs> and Bobby has a uh, bottle of sake that he like pours into like a little sake cup. He's just drinking um, on the job, which really you know <laughs> fits. Well, he drinks the sake cup, and then Eric and Mongo are like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, I'm just cheersing my Japanese." Like they're just really <laughs> driving home the new Japan thing. I'm just cheersing, cheersing my Japanese friends. 
Um, and then he takes the shot and then he does this like physical comedy where he goes to put his elbow on the table and he misses and he's like, you know, making his eyes go really <laughs> wide and shaking his head like, oh, like, oh, that was strong. You know? <laughs> uh, and then he just picks up the bottle and drinks the whole thing as they cut to the ring. I just, I'm on a real like Bobby Hayden trip at the moment. <laughs> he He's just brilliant. I just never noticed. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't hate him or anything as a kid, but as a kid, you don't notice those things. Like they're there for... Yeah, the adults who are watching it with their, <laughs> with their kids. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like so vaudevillian and slapstick. Of course, I love it. Uh, next up, we have uh, Stong versus Ric Flair, and uh, we're going with Stong forever now, right? Is that <laughs> we're going with Stong forever? Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, I actually genuinely love both of the guys' ring gear in this match. To be serious for a second. Um, like rick's got this whole purple motif he's got like purple like sort of undies and like these mauve boots that when i was a younger man i would have legitimately worn those boots down brunswick street i mean you you shouldn't don't don't close the door on that yet they're pretty cool no you no you don't want to be that guy <laughs> i used to tease those guys you know what i mean it's like hey you don't want to be david brent when he wears the <laughs> fucking cuban heels into the office <laughs> I mean, I have a, I legitimately have a giant pair of cowboy boots, so I'm maybe I already am. Well, you're younger than me for a start, and like that's you know that's fine. I mean, are they mauve wrestling boots that have RF on the side of them? <laughs> I mean, look, In gold writing. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, cowboy boots are cool as fuck, man. <laughs> And also that that's like a that's a sort of you know aging hipster move is to get the cowboy boots on. I don't know if that's a compliment. Also, I'm not sure how this this episode has turned into the episode that it has. I don't know. We're just a bit more loosey goosey as we get you know comfortable with the format, man. <laughs> and this is the stuff. Like while I'm watching it, this is the stuff I notice. Like I don't want to. I, I'm, you know, I noticed that, like, you know, Chris and Eddie had a fantastic match, but I don't want to, like, I listen to every other wrestling podcast and it's like, you know, and then it was a hurricane runner into a suicide dive and blah, blah, blah. It's like, mm. No one cares. Everyone's already watched that. Let's talk about Rick's beautiful purple boots. Yeah. Uh, Sting's got hot orange, like, iridescent orange tights on with his little scorpion on the side that I think was, like, light blue. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man, this is so mid-90s. It's awesome. It's pretty cool. Rick's healing it up in this match. He he does a few figure fours where he's holding the rope. Sting then reverses the figure four. And, and again, for like the fourth week in a row since Sting's been back, the crowd, the, as you were saying before, man, I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't hold it against them for uh, when Cobra came out, but they're pretty quiet. Mm. And then when Sting reverses this figure four, they go fucking mental like sting is i i know most people listening to this be like duh but i i i'm really surprised every week with how much like sting is the i think you said last week sting is the star of the show uh gen, he genuinely is as much as eric's wants hulk to be because of the money mm. paid for him uh the crowd wants sting crowd wants sting uh, stong. stong fuck i fucked it up already <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, so uh, he, he reverses it. The, the crowd goes berserk. Rick continues to heal it up. He's chopping. He's eye gouging. Uh, he grabs a chair. Uh, ref grabs the chair out of his hands. Um, and then he slaps the ref. Like, he's really going full-blown heel here, Rick. At this point, Eric says he has an important announcement after the match. Uh, Rick then produces a knuckle duster <laughs> and knocks Sting to the floor. Uh, Stong hulks out and uh, Rick Rick only gets a one count. So he goes to cover him after that, gets a one count, and Sting sort of hulks out. Then Sting puts uh, Rick in the Scorpion Death Clock. A uh, Death Clock. Death Lock. <laughs> How am I going today? Uh, and um, he won't let go. And this is like... This is all like the Dungeon of Doom Darkness storyline, right? That's kind of been mentioned a few times. Yeah, this, it, it it things got real messy at this point. Yeah, I mean, I can I can go through it really quickly, beat for beat, if people want me to. Yeah, go on. It's it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> so Eric announces that Luger is coming to the ring to speak to like for for some reason. So Sting's still got the Scorpion Deathlock on on Rick. Eric announces Luger. Luger doesn't come out. It's like JL and... Um, oh, I don't know. I didn't write down who the other person is. But there's a couple of the guys from the Blue Locker Room who come out. They, they're talking to Sting. It might be Eddie Guerrero, actually. They're talking to Sting like, what are you doing? Like, you know, we're good guys. We don't do this. Sting finally gets off Rick. Luger is obviously missed his cue. Then Sting gets halfway to... To the to the the entrance, sees the Luger is coming out, goes back to the ring, jumps on Rick, puts him back in the Scorpion Deathlock. Luger does that poor acting thing where like it's his cue. He walks like he's missed his cue. He walks out, sees that things are fucked up, so he goes back into the back room, then comes back out again, <laughs> and then things are kind of back to normal a little bit. But the genie's out of the bottle by that stage. Luca comes over and just sort of whispers something into Sting's ear. Sting lets go of Rick. They both walk out of the ring together. And that's kind of the end of that bit. Yeah, I guess. But it's a lot messier than I described it. They sort of... This is an early rerun of the Is Sting Turning Evil storyline that would, you know, become the best storyline in WCW. Mm. Um, But it's really fascinating how they do this. They just seem to be just running the same storylines that they will later do to much greater success when people are actually watching. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not... It did intrigue me. I was like, oh, okay, well, Luger's with the Dungeon of Doom and now he's taking Sting off with him. I was like, oh, okay, I don't remember Sting ever being a bad guy, ever. Like, the closest closest was when he was in Wolfpack Red, right? He, uh, he, did, he did some gear in TNA that wasn't great. Ah, oh, well... But, I mean, we've, we've got to wait seven years until we get to that. <laughs> so that was the end of that. And then I was like, oh, this is the end of the episode. No, it's not. Because uh, we cut back and the big, we've, got this, we've still got the big announcement that Eric teased in the match. And uh, the big announcement, is, well, it starts with the giant, the Taskmaster and Jimmy Hart in the ring. And we're going to get some uh, really convoluted uh, sort of wrestling contract law in this uh, promo. Because as we saw from... Uh, the fan of menace people just love hearing about like trade agreements contracts legalities loopholes that kind of thing 
And uh, you know, I think WCW were kind of ahead of the curve here by boring everyone for four minutes about how <laughs> how contracts worked. So let me try and break this down really quickly. Jimmy Hart was the power of attorney for Hulk Hogan. He signed a contract saying that if Hulk Hogan lost by DQ uh, at Halloween Havoc, he would essentially give up the belt, um, which means that... And Jimmy's like dancing around going, which means that the Giant is actually the champion. Then Tony Schiavone, like having more agency than he's had the whole time that we've been watching this show. Like, he only just appeared on the show last week. Now he's, like, running it. He goes, uh, I've got a lawyer here who <laughs> says that that's not the case. Then this lawyer comes in and says, well, Jimmy Hart's kind of half right. Uh, Hulk does have to give up the belt, but it's not the Giants either. It will be contested at World War Three. Oh, that's convenient. Uh, the next pay-per-view. The... Uh do you think this was something maybe they should have said last week? Like, surely, like you come out the 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 day after winning the top, winning the title, and be like, "Hey, guess what? We actually where the giant is the yeah. champion." You know, get bent, Hulk Hogan, you moron. And then the next week, you have the WCW committee come out and be like, "Boy, guess what? Tough luck." Like it, it's just you know basic basic storytelling, but that's okay. <laughs> Look, I mean, the it's kind of like everything with WCW where, like, they stick the landing with this, you know, where it's like it, it looks gross and they don't really get there in a very pretty way. But in the end, it's like, well, the belt is up for grabs at World War Three. It's like, well, that's cool. 60 people competing for the belt. Sweet. But it's the way they get there that's like, what? I don't... All right, well, <laughs> I feel like that's everything with WCW. Like, huh? Yeah, well. It, it It's cooked. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> uh, and that gets us to the end of another episode of Nitro, children. Um, one that I really enjoyed. Like, I, I really enjoyed this a lot. This was pretty great. Um, yeah, this I, I, it was great. Watch this episode. Start watching along again. You can probably skip the last few, but... Uh... Well, there's two great matches in this. You, I mean, you get Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero, Sting versus Ric Flair. And for TV matches, they're really, really good. You get the weirdness of the Macho Man and Hulk Hogan <laughs> promo. Um, you get the you know, just complete 80s, 80s-ness of the backroom promos with Mean Gene. Uh, and then you get one of the most convoluted uh, storylines in history with the belt well not convoluted story but convoluted promo <laughs> uh at the end here with uh with con like well you, you'll get a lesson in wrestling contract law put it that way get on it that's a it's a lesson in wrestling con- wrestling contract law john moxley was watching this and uh i don't <laughs> was like ooh, i see the opportunity for some tricks <laughs> It's me, the trickster, John Moxley. (laughs) (laughs) Riddle me this, Batman. (laughs) Um, (laughs) John the Riddler Moxley. (laughs) If he was was wrestling in WCW 95, they'd have him in a Riddler costume. Or like a knockoff Riddler costume. Absolutely. (laughs) 
Um, cool. Let's let everyone get back to their lives. But thank you for listening uh, to the show. Uh, if you subscribe, you get this and our AEW show in your feed and any uh, WCW pay-per-views. We just recently did a Halloween Havoc, um, which a lot of people were downloading, which is great. Um, I, I also think that pay-per-view being insane helps with that, where people are <laughs> God, let's see what these guys have to say about that. Um but yeah, uh, people are, uh, are still listening to it uh, heaps and, and uh, YouTube is going gangbusters. So thank you for all of that. If you can tell more people, rate and review, follow us on social media, you know, retweeting, all that kind of stuff um, is great. Although I just watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix last night. So if, you want, if you're off social media, I completely <laughs> understand. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, but maybe jump back on, retweet us or, you know, and then... Jump back on. Don't be a coward. Come Um, on. What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) The end of civilization and deterioration of your mental health and (laughs) all your relationships? Yeah. It's a small price to pay to make me and Matt very famous. Um, (laughs) So uh, if you do all that, that would be great. Um, And yeah, until next time, Pepe's dead. And uh, if you stay listening to this podcast afterwards, um, you'll get an exclusive preview of my uh, oral history of Billy Corgan's Zwan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's something to look forward to. So stick around. you